You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Walsteen. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. We're not in that position. Uh, 
what we're trying to do is find enough space for everyone and how we can make it all work in limited space. Uh, again, if you're new to our church family and you're looking at this thinking, man, you should have built a bigger, a bigger building. Um, we know that. <laughs> uh, we are well aware of that. We've known that since before the concrete was poured out here. Uh, and to give you a little history, what we had to actually do was scale this project back uh, to make it affordable. Uh, and so several times over the last year, I've walked into this space and thought, this will make a great atrium. Because that's what it's designed to be. Uh, and so if you would like to see us uh, continue to move forward and build, then you need to give and give faithfully. Uh, continue to give and give faithfully uh, as you have done. Uh, God's been so gracious and I know has stirred hearts. Scripture says there were those who had stirred hearts and willing spirits. Uh, and we've seen that uh, over the, the past several years uh, through the Joshua Project. Uh, and so uh, we're just grateful for the space that God's given us. We want to be resourceful. Uh, we want to be mindful and good stewards of the space that he's given us. It's one of the reasons that we're partnering with Lionheart, uh, because we did not want to build a building and have square footage that sat empty all week. Uh, and so those rooms will literally be filled with kids who are experiencing uh, the love of God and understanding, coming to understand the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. And uh, already 60 plus students are enrolled and uh, ready to go. Their plan is to launch on March the 4th. And I, I need to be clear about something. They're not just tenants in our building. And I've said this many times before, it is a gospel partnership. And so it's not us and them. Uh, while there are some distinctions in the way that we operate and some of those things, we are very much part of the same team here. Uh, they made it clear when we first signed our covenant with Lionheart Children's Academy, they had no desire to just lease space from us or be a tenant in our building. Okay, we're all in this together. We're all on mission together. And so you can be praying for that. In the days to come, we'll be telling you more. We'll have a commissioning service for our Lionheart staff and just a lot of things that are coming uh, in, the, in the days ahead. And so we look forward to that. But we want to be wise stewards of what God's given us here. And so with this article, as I continue to read, it was, it was suggesting that it was, uh, it, it's created this boom market, uh, strangely enough, for those wanting to buy churches. I didn't know there was a market for people who like wanted to buy churches, but apparently there is. Uh, so these former houses of worship are now finding new life. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that a building does not make a church. Because if you travel particularly to the northeast in our country and other parts of our country that are certainly uh, you know, post-Christian, you travel to Europe, what you'll find is a lot of magnificent buildings, cathedrals even, that are no longer churches. Some of them are museums. So a great church is not just defined by a great building or space. And again, we know that our God is not limited to space. This is not the only space where we can meet with God or that he chooses to meet with us. But we do know it is a special place. It's a space that's set aside for the purpose of the worship of our great God. The article continued with this observation. It said about 4,500 Protestant churches closed their doors in 2019. That's pre-pandemic, with about 3,000 new churches opening. That's according to LifeWay Research. It was the first time that the number of churches in the U.S. hadn't grown since LifeWay started studying that particular subject. So with the pandemic speeding up this broader trend of Americans turning away from Christianity, researchers say that the closures will only be accelerated. So it's a significant thing, even a miracle, that we opened a new building today for a growing faith family, a local body of believers. We call it a church. 
starting last Sunday, and for these next two weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at the church. Not just our church, not just this local body of believers known as First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. It's a subject that we call ecclesiology. We talked about that last week. That, that comes from really two words put together in the original language, ek and kaleo. It means the called out ones, the called out assembly. And so when we study the church, we're studying ecclesiology. And I want to assure you once again that while this beautiful new building is essentially complete, the church is still very much under construction. And I'm not talking about glass and concrete and bricks and mortar. The church is still very much under construction. We talked last week about the living stones, that's us, that God is using to build his church. Now, it's not uncommon in our area, a growing area. Uh, you don't have to look very far to see these neighborhoods that are popping up. You may not realize that that development alone, when it's fully built out, will have somewhere in the neighborhood of 6,000 homes in it. Some of you already live there. Some of you are working on building those neighborhoods, right? It's amazing what God has done in providentially providing this piece of property for this church. We're in a strategic location, and we don't want to waste the opportunity that God has given us by His grace. It's not uncommon in our area to hear people say in the coffee shop and in other places, we're looking for a church. I'm looking for a church. And it causes me many times to ask this question, what are you looking for in a church? What are you looking for in a church? That may be you this morning. That may be why you're here. Maybe you saw on social media or you were talking to a friend or someone and you learned that this was our first Sunday in this new space. You're like, I'm going to go check it out. We're, we're looking for a church. That's great. We're so glad that you're here. And we hope that you find a warm welcome this morning. And we hope that you can leave here saying, this looks like a place where I could, I could plant some spiritual roots. Be a part of this faith family. Reminded of a, a phone call that I received a couple of years ago now from a fellow that was moving into the area and wanted to talk to the pastor. He made it clear from the beginning of our conversation that he was looking for a church. And he began to, uh, even unsolicited, began to tell me all the things that he was looking for in a church. It was a rather lengthy list. I thought it was a rather detailed list. And the thing that concerned me about his list was that it was all preferences, the whole list. There was not one first-tier issue on his list. He didn't ask me if I preached the Bible. He didn't ask me what we believe about the gospel. He didn't, yeah, none of those things. He gave me a lengthy list of his preferences. Things that he wanted to see, things that he needed to find in a church. And I, I understand some of those things. I understand that, I, I mean, I hope and pray as I study each week and prepare and all that, I hope that I'm not boring you to tears. I had a professor in seminary say, it should be a sin to bore people with the Bible. But at the same time, if you're here because you like my personality or something, you need to really kind of check your heart. Because there's a really good chance that at some point I'm going to disappoint you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. What are the things that are most important? So, so, so what are the characteristics of a true church, a biblical church, a great church? church churches are different. We, we serve alongside 62 other churches in what is known as the Grace and Baptist Association. 
And, and, and I know virtually every one of those pastors and enjoy fellowship with, with many of them on a regular basis. And, 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 and I've ministered in some of their churches. And, and, and it's a great thing that we partner together in the gospel to reach Grayson County with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But our churches are all different. All different. You'll find a different style of music. You'll find a different type of architecture. You'll find a, a different preacher. Uh, you'll find some preachers much better looking than this one. You'll find some that are, I mean, winsome and funny. You'll find, I mean, I, the, the churches are all different. When you're looking at those kinds of things, but what are the characteristics of a true, a biblical church, a great church? In Matthew chapter 16, we have, again, the first mention of the word church uh, in the New Testament, particularly. And it's used by the Lord of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, who says in Matthew chapter 16, 18, I will build my church. I'll build my church. It's very personal. It's his. He will build it. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. And here in this passage, he gives us some of the necessary components for a church to be a church. What makes a great church? We got all kinds of descriptors that have been used in recent years and are still used today to describe churches. There are seeker-friendly churches. There are contemporary churches. There are traditional churches. There are progressive churches. There are churches that are known by, by their political leanings. There are churches that have certain emphases and all these, all, there's all of the different words that are used today to, to describe churches. But here, the Lord of the church said, I will build my church. And he gives us these defining characteristics, marks of a church. The rest of the New Testament epistles that they write about the church base what they write on this text. The rest of the New Testament writings of Paul and Peter and James and John and Jude, they, 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 they all look back to this text, really. Here, the Lord of the church establishes the foundation and the framework of the church. We talked about the foundation last week, as Jesus says in this text right here. He says, on this rock, I will build my church. I'll build my church. So what are those foundational elements? Let's look at the text once again. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. If you don't have a copy of God's word, you should find it on the screen behind me there. And when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He often referred to himself this way. Talking about himself, the Son of Man, identifying with us in our humanity. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, and Jesus had a way of, of making questions really personal, driving a point home. He said, but who do you say that I am. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This morning's message is really very simple. Two main points. Two main points. The first one is this. A great church is built and has a great confession. Has a great confession. Look again at verse number 13. It says, when, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, what is popular opinion about me? What, what, what are people saying? What are people saying? He didn't ask that because Jesus was consumed with, with understanding what people you know, thought about him. Wasn't insecure in any way. 
And so they said, in response to that question, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And when you think about it on the surface, that's kind of complimentary, actually. I mean, John the Baptist was highly revered. Some would say the greatest prophet ever. He was the forerunner of Jesus, after all, right? Uh, to, to say of Jesus, well, he's got to be John the Baptist reincarnate is, is not necessarily a slur. Certainly a great compliment to be equated with John the Baptist. It's not true. It's not enough. And certainly Elijah, the great prophet who did miracles, great prophet Elijah, to be compared to Elijah, to be identified as a reincarnate Elijah, as it were, would, would be perceived as a compliment. Jeremiah, the great weeping prophet, or, or one of the other prophets, which would include even Moses. I mean, that's not saying something negative necessarily, but that's saying the best that some people could muster. And it's crazy, but the same type thing is still true today of some people. They're willing to admit that Jesus was like a prophet, a great teacher, a religious leader, things of that nature. But then when you go into verse 15, notice what it says there. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's the great confession of the church. That's the great confession. Jesus said, I will build my church on that. I'll build my church on that. The first absolute in a truly great church, get this, is a biblical understanding of Jesus Christ. Anything other than a biblical understanding of Jesus Christ means you don't have a true biblical church. Even if you're being complimentary, even if you're saying he's a great teacher, even if you're saying he was the best human being who ever lived, those things all true. Some would say he's a created semi-God. That's what some of the cults will tell you. Sounds nice, right? Not true. The Lord does not build his church on a wrong view of Christ. First absolute in a true church is a biblical view of Jesus Christ, our great redeemer. A proper ecclesiology is built on a proper Christology. Christ alone. That's why we say here often, it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. That's what it's all about. Peter understood, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed promised Messiah, prophet, priest, king, redeemer. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Can we make that confession today together? I think we can. But here's the thing, I don't want you to make this confession if you don't believe it in your heart. Because it's really easy to sit here and say some words. One of the things that I say at every wedding that I perform is it's really easy to stand here in front of these people and say some words. But when you wake up tomorrow morning, you still have to decide you want to be married. So let's don't just mouth words. If you don't believe it in your heart, don't say it. Can we make this confession together? Let's do it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. How about one more time? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. A true biblical church has a great confession. And so we say with Peter today, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. We say again with Peter, to whom shall we go? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. And we know that you are the Holy One of God. We gather here today to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like we did last week downtown. And this church has done for hundreds of years. We 
you worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The church has a great confession and a great redeemer. The church is not a group of people who gather together to hear a motivational speech. You don't gather up here every week to hear Mike give you some kind of TED talk. That's not what this is. The church is not merely a support group, though you may, and I hope you do, find support here. The church is not a collection of folks who want to just feel spiritual. It's not an assembly of those who want to mindlessly go through religious ritual. It's an assembly of people who from the heart have made a great confession. And that great confession is that there is a living God who has manifested himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is himself the Holy One of God and the only one through whom we can have eternal life. It's a great confession and a great redeemer. We are those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as our Lord. We follow the very purpose uh, of the gospel of John that we unpacked uh, over a year ago now. John chapter 20, verse 31, that you may believe, he wrote these things, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the gospel that we proclaim. That's the gospel. We are those who have believed and have life in his name. The church is a collection of redeemed people, redeemed through faith in the true Christ. It's not a collection of people who just feel sentimental about Jesus, a Jesus that is unqualified and undefined. It is a collection of people who make a common confession that Jesus is God. He is Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. Have you made that confession? Have you confessed with your mouth because you believe in your heart that Jesus is? Is God come in the flesh to die at a cruel cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine? New space, new architecture, new address, new location, same glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing changes there. Same mission. Same mission. The church has a great confession. A great confession and a great redeemer. Number two. The church has a great communication. God's revealed word. God's revealed word. I've often asked myself, if, if I were not a pastor, like if I were to move into Van Alstine, would I want to be a part of this church? Would I want to be a part of this church? And one of the things that would be really, really important to me is that the pastor or whoever's preaching every week would come to the pulpit and would actually open this book. That's a novel concept in today's world, actually. Because there are a lot of churches who don't really do that much. Okay, that we value the word of God. One of our identifying statements is that we want to be biblically based, Christ-centered and gospel-driven. So we believe that the Bible is critically important. It's what we gather to study. It's how God reveals himself to us. He reveals himself to us in the person of the word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, in the written word. And he does that by his Holy Spirit. It's an amazing, miraculous thing. As we are transformed and made new and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ by his word. And so every week... One of the things that we will definitely do so long as God allows me to be the pastor of this church is we're going to open this word together. And we're going to study God's word. What does it say to us today? What does it mean to us now where we live? What did it mean to them then? What does it mean to us now? 
What is God's redemptive plan? This plan that we see woven throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. It's an amazing book. It's God's revelation. And the church has a great communication in God's revealed word. So there in Matthew 16, verse 17, Peter responded, replied to the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but, but, but who did? But my Father who is in heaven. My Father who is in heaven. In other words, you got it right, Simon Peter. You're blessed because you made this great confession. But how did you come to that? Where, where did you get that? Some today might say, oh, well, I, I heard this really clever speech. Or, I, and, you know, I just thought Jesus seemed cool. And so I, I, I'm a fan of Jesus, right? And nowhere in Scripture will you find people who merely want to be a fan of Jesus. He's looking for followers. And, and it's not something that, that is designed for our comfort. There's a, there's a price to discipleship. There's a cost to discipleship. So we're to be emptied of ourselves, more of you, less of me. And yet many people look to the church and ask themselves, how will this church make me feel comfortable? So you begin to look at all these peripheral things that, be, that are preferences, and you elevate those things to first-tier issues when they really shouldn't be. And a lot of that is centered around people's comfort level. How comfortable does this church make me feel? But we see here that the church is built and has this framework of this great communication, God's revealed word to us. So, so what Jesus was essentially saying to Peter here is, wow, you got it right. You had this apocalypse. <laughs> that's a word that's often misunderstood today. It comes from the word apocalypto, and it means to reveal, to disclose, to uncover, to make known, to manifest. But it didn't come from any human source. Because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 21, it says, Man by wisdom knew not God. There's no human source. There's no human approach or cleverness or insight or, or human wisdom or knowledge that can lead to this great confession. How would, you, how would you ever be led to that great confession? Jesus says, my Father in heaven revealed it to you. There's only one way that you can know the truth of the great confession, and that is by divine revelation. By divine revelation. There's a wonderful text tucked in Romans chapter 10 that further explains this. The Apostle Paul is indicting the Jews because they should have known the truth. The Romans should, should know the truth too. He says to them in Romans chapter 10, verse number 6, when it comes to righteousness based on faith, which is the gospel, by the way, that's the essence of the gospel, righteousness based on faith in Jesus Christ, not based on works. Okay, that's the gospel. The only way to be right with God is through faith. When it comes to this gospel message of righteousness based on faith, Paul says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Don't say, oh, this, this is a mysterious message. How am I going to get this message? I know what I'll do. I'm going to find some path of transcendental comprehension. I'll enter a different stratosphere mentally. I'll, 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 I'll reach this space. I'll, I'm going to have to somehow enter into some kind of esoteric experience to elevate my mind like the Gnostics and, and attain to the heights of knowledge and climb up into heaven and grasp this glorious truth and bring it down. Paul says, what are you thinking? 
as if there was some way that we could somehow ascend, as if there was some way that we could transcend time and space and, and our, our, our humanity. And he says, don't say that. Uh, no. And don't say, according to verse number 7 there in Romans chapter 10, who will ascend into the abyss, as if we could go down to bring, bring God Christ up from the dead. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go ascending into heaven or some transcendental experience. You don't have to go down into the depth of some secret knowledge, tampering around with the world of darkness to try to discover spiritual truth. He says, what are you thinking? And then he says in verse 8 there, what, what does it say? He's quoting from Deuteronomy. He says, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. You've already had it in your mind. You've already heard the gospel. You've been exposed to the gospel. You've talked about it. It's been on your lips. It's nearby. The very word of faith which we are preaching, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The sad truth is, and you know some of these folks, you may be one of them. They spend a whole lot of time and energy, a whole lot of time and energy trying to get God all figured out. And they miss it. They miss it. Much like the Pharisees of Jesus' day. They thought they had it all together. They could cross all the T's and dot all the I's. They followed the law. Every jot and tittle, right? And yet he was right there. Right there. Guys, it's kind of like when we're looking for something and we can't find it. And our wives like, walk right over to the door. There it is, right? It's right there. You probably opened that drawer four times and it was right there. And you say stuff like, well, if it was a snake, it would have bit me. That's the Pharisees, basically, of Jesus' day. They missed the point. It's right there. So you go back to Matthew 16. It's not hidden somewhere up in heavenly space only for those who are the enlightened few. No, it's not buried in the depths of some secret meaning. It's right here. You heard it. You thought about it. You talked about it. It's time to believe it. The revelation is here, the revealed word. Peter, you made the great confession because you received the great communication from God. And that may be true for some of you today. Maybe you've sat through worship services much like this one, and you've heard the, the gospel. And you think, well, that's kind of neat. But somehow in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, maybe it's, maybe it's Jesus plus my best efforts. Like if I just get some Jesus along with what, what I can do, then maybe I'll, I'll find favor with God. No, no, Scripture makes it clear. It's, it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Because here's the, here's the bottom line. Even on your best day, you can't be good enough, and I can't either. A great church is a great confession and a great redeemer. That's revealed to us this great communication that we call the Word of God, revealed to us by the Spirit of God, this great communication. He builds His church on all those who make the great confession, to whom the revelation is given. They hear it, they believe it. The church is not built on Peter. It's not built on the supremacy of Peter. It's built on the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, the Holy One, the Lord. And if, and if Peter makes that and makes that confession and the apostles make that confession and you and I make that confession and we believe that in our hearts, God revealed it. They wrote it down. They wrote down the New Testament. The apostles, those who were their associates, wrote those words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
wrote the revelation of God on which their confession was made, and our confession is made as well. The church was built this great revelation of God, which is contained in Scripture and revealed in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Even death can't destroy this, the text tells us. Death can't overpower the church. In fact, many would say it's the, uh, the death of the martyrs, the spilt blood of the martyrs that becomes the seed, seedbed of the church to grow. The more you kill the church, the more it grows. The church is the gathering of people who make the great confession that Jesus is Lord because they're committed to the great communication of the revelation of God contained in Scripture. How do you know a church? How do you know a great church? Is it because they have a great kids program? Or an amazing glass wall? <laughs> a nice pastor? You know a great church because they're consumed with the greatness of Jesus Christ. With the greatness of Jesus Christ and with the authority and the power of the truth of God's word. So what do we do? We continue to do what this church has done for hundreds of years. We lift up Jesus and proclaim the gospel. We lift up Jesus and proclaim the gospel as revealed to us in his word. And we'll continue to do that. It's interesting, if you study the rest of Matthew 16 here, you find that, that when Peter departed from the revelation of the, of the will of God, verse number 23, this is one of the reasons we know that Jesus did not mean he was going to build his church on Peter himself. Because what did he say to Peter in verse number 23? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Anytime you depart from the will of God revealed, you essentially take up Satan's agenda. Even if you're an apostle. Submitting everything to the word of God, getting in line with the word of God. The church is built on divine revelation and it is invincible when it is built on divine revelation because heaven is behind all that it does. The church exalts the message of the gospel, the true sign of a great church, the great confession. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, the Holy One, Lord, the great communication. We are here so that God may speak through his word, which alone has the power to save and the power to sanctify and the power to comfort. Richard Phillips, writing in an article uh, in a book called The Church, said this, if we want people to join in Peter's great confession and thus to be admitted into the saving company of Christ's people, then we must not rely on flesh and blood devices. We must not be tempted by the things that appeal to men and women today. We may make the most effective appeals to flesh and blood, the things that are persuasive and enticing to the fleshly nature of mankind. But Jesus here assures us that by those means, we will never bring about the saving faith first professed by Simon Peter here. Instead, we must rely on the one means that God has provided, his revealed word. And we teach and proclaim God's word about Jesus. The Father in heaven reveals the truth in the minds and hearts of men and women and boys and girls and brings them to a true and saving faith. A great church, a true biblical church, is built on a great confession and a great redeemer as revealed to us through God's great communication. His word. His word. If we could for just a moment bow our heads together. I don't ever want to assume 
chosen to attend a worship service, particularly this worship service, that you are in a right relationship with God. I can look across the room and every person here, you look like a great person. I could easily say, man, you look like you got your act together. stand with us, you can sing the words to songs, you can do all the things that are a part of a worship service like this, and be as far away from God as humanly imaginable, because if you've never turned from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ, then you're not yet in a right relationship with God, you may say, Pastor, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person, I'm trying to be better not as bad as that person or those people. It's not about that. It's about whether you're in Christ. Have you made the great confession? Believed in your heart? Confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? The Christ, the Son of the living God who came to this earth, lived a perfect sinless life, died a substitutionary death on a cruel Roman cross, Paying the debt for your sin and mine. If you've never turned from your sin to faith in Jesus Christ, then I invite you to do that today. If you need to talk with someone, you need to pray with someone, we have people ready and, and more than willing to meet with you, to pray with you, to show you from the word of God what it means to be in a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word tells us very clearly what makes up a great church. It's not merely the things that make us feel comfortable. It's not our programming. It's not our planning. As important as all those things are, it's ultimately about what Jesus Christ has done for us. If there's anyone here today that has never trusted you as Savior and Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit and the power of your word, they'd be drawn to you today. Lord, we love you and we thank you and continue to proclaim how great is our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.